0: Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's your host, Brett Allen of the Open Mic Podcast. And my God, I don't even know where to start with this one today. We have actress Marion Ross. You know her as Mrs. Cunningham, Mrs. C from the hit television show, Happy Days, The Fonz, you know. Hey! That's a horrible impression. But anyway, that's who we're chatting with today. And really, this show ran for about 11 seasons. Ironically, though, this is only just a small part of her career. It spans for decades. Decades in she has clearly retired from acting, but she has not slowed down. And this conversation really is a trip down memory lane for her and for me, just talking about her career and all the amazing things that she's done and that she's accomplished, and really set up a fantastic and phenomenal life for herself. I think you're going to love this. She's an American treasure, and it just doesn't get any better than that. Thanks again for listening and supporting the show. Head over to the Open Mic Podcast Show for all the latest episodes, and thanks for listening. And being a part of today's podcast.
1: Idly hey, welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Prepare to be astonished with Brett Allen. Dude, we are so going to party. A pop culture podcast. <gasps> oh. At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Great Odin's Raven. Join in weekly as Brett interviews your favorite celebrities from film, television, television. sports, music, and much more. Plus, you never know who will stop by. The Mystic Portal awaits. Now here is your host, Brett Allen.
0: Laughing a lot before we started recording, she said she was opening her mail, (laughs) and she got a letter to donate to the Gary Marshall Society, so that's important, because you worked with him for years, and then you got a residual from the love boat, you said?
2: (laughs) Yes, and I'm shocked at this one. This is only $21. My goodness. My goodness. Well, I did many love boats, you know, so... This this was some basic cable thing. Okay. Okay. Thank you anyway for the $21. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you never know. That could go to buy something for the
2: grandkids or,
0: I don't know, maybe put gas you in know, a car. We,
2: we had so much fun doing the love boat with Aaron, Aaron Spelling and because we got to wear the most beautiful clothes. Really? And, yes. We Like... I said, oh, you want me to wear that? I'm up there on the deck of the ship playing ping pong. And I said, you want me to wear that beautiful silk and satin pajamas outfit? And they said, oh, yes, we do. So I said, okay.
0: That is funny, and you said you got to get on the phone with Gavin now, right? And say, "Hey,
2: I got to get on. What's the, phone the deal with Gavin, him? And and what, what's what the deal is, with this? Why why is this love boat so small? Yes, <laughs> <it's respectable. laughs>
0: You are hilarious. Well, I have to say, Please
2: call somebody. Yes, yeah. You, you
0: know, you've got the Hollywood Rolodex. Just call whoever you need to call and get them on the line and say, hey, um, what's going on here? Well, I'm excited to talk to you, Marion. I had your son Jim on." a couple years ago and we just had the best time. So I am equally as excited to talk to you as well about your life and your career and just all the things that you've done over the decades. You have a book out that is fantastic, My Days Happy and Otherwise, where you just get downright real and and honest about your life and your career and your experiences and sort of how you got your start and that sort of thing for people who haven't actually had the opportunity to read it. What is the expectation for you when people pick it up and have the chance to take a look at it and read this fantastic book?
2: Well, I I hope that they'll want to read it and that they remember who I am. You know, it's it's Happy Days is just a part of my career. But you know, I did I did uh, I worked with Clark Gable when I was over at Paramount. I did. Teacher's Pet with Clark Gable and Doris Day and uh, I've had a, a nice wonderful spotty career you know traveled all over the world and, and then I did all the love boats with Gavin. Gavin called me one time and he said I want you to come on the love boat and, and, and you can marry me. I said well, really? Okay I'll, <laughs> I'll have to do that. I'll come marry you on the love boat. So, So we did that and I did a, a series called Brooklyn Bridge. Then you probably didn't see it or even hear of it. But it was mildly successful. We'd made it at Paramount, and I played a Jewish Polish grandmother. I loved. I loved being in that.
0: That is exciting. Yeah, I it's haven't Brooklyn seen that. Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've had quite a career, and just done so many things. And as you mentioned. Happy Days is really just one small part of that story that you have to tell. And you essentially from, you know, the 50s to the 60s on, had an appearance pretty much on every major television series, correct? And that's kind of what got your start. And then after that, you got a call from Gary Marshall. And as you say, that is kind of where your career launched, correct? And you sort of became... What they would say is an overnight success.
2: <laughs> no, I, it was so fun because I started at Paramount when I was twenty. I was twenty-three years old, and up in the makeup, I'm under contract. And who is up there? But a girl who was exactly my age, and it was Audrey Hepburn. Really. Oh. God, I wanted to kill myself. Went right out and bought several candy bars and ate them right away. (laughs) Commit suicide right there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would imagine.
2: So you
0: went up against that and you had all of that to deal with on top of everything else that you were a part of. So then Happy Days sort of came along later, correct, as far as that career move and... Being on television and that sort of thing, correct?
2: Yes, but I had been uh, I had been trained to the stage, so it was f- fun when we started Happy Days. We did it with a live audience out there, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was an awful lot of fun to have this audience responding to us, and then and then because we we became such a big hit because of the Fonz. Even though Ron Howard was a huge hit, but the Fonz, Henry Winkler, walked off with the show. And Gary Marshall, who created the whole thing, he was so smart. He put us all into a softball game, toured. We, We met so many people. We toured the United States with the softball team. We even went to Europe with that, went to Germany. And we even went to Japan with a softball team. Can you believe that? That's I would, unbelievable. I would say to my neighbors, uh, "I'm sorry, you know, don't be dropping in here because I I have to go to ball practice." And I was like fifty-five or something like that, you know. But I could I could hit good, you know. I could hit, and then and then run. <laughs> I was not good in the field. I didn't want to. <laughs> one of those. High-flying
0: balls. Really, I've heard you tell that story before where Henry Winkler, when he started to come on and have those arcs on the show, that's really when the popularity began and and he just kind of stole it away. How was that experience on set? Was there, I mean, it's such a different time than it is now where if something wild happened on a set or, or whatever the case might be, we would read about it probably on social media or something like that. But obviously it was okay, right? Because you guys were able to continue on and just sort of tape the show right in front of the audience and not no, Ron, have any problems. Ron
2: Howard was an absolute gentleman. He was happy to see that that Henry was going making a big success out of this. And uh, whatever uh, Henry got, he included Ron. I mean, if they gave him a raise... Then Ron got Ron got a raise. So uh it was just fun and they become great friends and everybody became a good friend on that. Gary Marshall Gary Marshall was he looked after us so much. It was all oh, just great.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it was just such a fun time. That show went on for, if I understand, 10 or 11 seasons, right? And that's exactly, a really long exactly time. Exactly
2: right. Exactly right. In fact, it's. I'm pretty sure that it's still running, you know?
0: Yeah, Ooh, yeah. No. There's. I, I've seen out, you know? reruns. And so for people listening, if you've never seen Happy Days, crawl out from under the rock because a lot of your favorite actors, like Marion, of course, and just everybody else, who, you know, was a part of this fantastic show. Of course, Ron Howard, who is now a fantastic film director. His daughter makes films as well. Henry, I mean, just the list goes on and on. Are there any iconic moments that you can think of that you remember from your time on that show that stand out to you? Just some moments where you realized this is such a huge success and lightning in a bottle and and there might not ever be anything like this on television again.
2: Well, we we had conventions. We went of course to Milwaukee, which was supposedly the home of of the show and when when you would parade in you know, a parade with the whole cast of Happy Days and the whole town was out there on the street, it was it's it, quite extraordinary to be part of something that fun, and we would play softball before the Dodger games in Dodger Stadium, you know. And our writers would come and and play ball with us. Uh, so we, it was a way for us to meet uh, hands-on. We would meet people because of softball game. Isn't that a fun trick, huh?
0: Yeah, and that's a fun way, too, I think, for fans at the time who were diehards of that show yeah. to really connect with a cast, right, especially for something that was so fun and wholesome that was on yeah. television at the time. I, I remember... It was, it was
2: an easy way for us to take pictures with everybody. Wow. Take pictures with... And I, I still have my full Happy Days softball uniform, you know? I have my own bat, My own mitt. It's incredible.
0: You mentioned earlier that you also had a love for theater. You did Broadway. You did national tours. You had the opportunity to be a part of so many iconic things. At the time when you were full force as an actress and an actor and doing things, did you have a preference over one or the other, or you just enjoyed performing altogether?
2: Oh, no, I wanted to be in the theater, in the theater, because it was so prestigious when you were a child. And I, I met Noel. I don't know if you know Noel Coward. Do you yes. know that name at all?
0: I do, yes.
2: Yes, the great Noel Coward. And I, I was in Blithe Spirit with Sir Noel Coward and, we, and Lauren Bacall, and we did the first read-through over at Lauren Bacall's house. And here's Humphrey Bogart, her husband, Saying, uh, um, he's saying, I'm so glad I'm not in the, in the show today. <laughs> and I'm <Humphrey>, thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, this is Humphrey Bogart. So we, it was an incredible experience for me to be, because one of the first books I ever read about the theater in Albert Lee, Minnesota, where I come from, was present indicative by Sir Noel Coward. So for me then to meet him, personally and he treated me so well it was a just wonderful
0: yeah what a great story so when you decided when you were young and you wanted to become an actor and pursue this dream what was that experience like for you was family supportive of you wanting to chase after this or was it something that was kind of seen as not something that you should do or not easy to do or there was no real clear path to get to television and theater and, and that sort of experience if that makes sense
2: well i don't know how this compares with your life but i was a middle child and not only that i had a crippled brother so you've got two little girls and then a little boy and then he's a crippled boy i'm a middle child my mother was a canadian ambitious smart, a young teacher way up in the northern prairies of Saskatchewan. And she, I was raised to believe that I could be anything. I could be whatever I wanted to be. So that's the way I was raised. And so that by the time I was uh, 22, I was under contract to Paramount Studios. Wow. And in those days, C.B. DeMille was at, at Paramount uh, Marlene Dietrich would come striding into the into the big dining room. Everybody was there in the big dining room. Uh, all uh, Martin and Lewis were there. It was very, very uh, intimidating. All I was awestruck. Edith Head was running the the, oh. the wardrobe department, from fitting you for clothes, and they would trick you out in an evening gown and send you to a premiere. You know? And now you're you're going down Hollywood Boulevard at night to a premiere movie. The Klieg lights are, are lacing across the sky and the fans are all lined up in front of Grauman's Chinese and you step out of the limo and the crowd is screaming, It's nobody, it's nobody
0: <laughs> That is so that's funny all I remember. So you get all of the Hollywood glitz and glamour as a contract player, but nobody knows who you are. I guess there's nothing better to keep you humble as an early start than that. I suppose if nobody knows who that's you are,
2: a great, a great beginning. So it it occurred to me that wait a minute, this is about wait, this is about selling. This is about selling. So. I hired when I was about twenty-five. I hired a press agent and began to learn that that that's mostly what the movie business was about in those days. Mm-hmm. Was about the movie magazines, the, the press, and the so forth. So uh, it, it was. A, it's been a very busy life, you know.
0: Yeah, well, and rightfully so. You've taken the time to just gracefully so to speak i guess bow out of hollywood you've done a few television appearances here and there in the past on some shows and sort of brought your wonderful face and the everything that we love and know about you mary and that's great i want to ask you you mentioned this about a contract player and i've heard this term before what that meant for you and please correct me if i'm wrong essentially was is that you were hired Buy a studio and paid, but that didn't necessarily mean that you were going to be any film correct. You had to be chosen and picked by the producers yeah. and the directors. so it so wasn't that... it wasn't just a given, so to speak.
2: oh no, oh no. They would sign you. now you're you're a contract player. Uh, okay. now you've you've got to try to make the most of that somehow, you know? but here's is at the same time. Here's Audrey Hepburn, for God's sake. And she she was already a star. So that was discouraging. Every, and, but it was, it was great. It was a great time to be at Paramount because you would go in that dining room. We all had our pictures up. There's a picture at the end of the dining room of Victor Mature as Samson bringing down the temple. So that picture was down there. Here's sitting C.B. DeMille, Martin and Lewis, or, uh, James Mason—you know, famous people—all through through the the dining room. It's pretty, who could eat, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it would be hard to focus. It's like today when you go out and about to L.A. and you're sitting at a restaurant, although not as overwhelmingly daunting as your experiences with some just iconic Hollywood names that you've mentioned. Just a few. It's easy to get distracted, you know, when you're sitting around and everywhere you turn or you bump into somebody famous. Right. And it's like for somebody starting out, it has to be like you mentioned, just heartwarmingly overwhelming. But just such great memories that you have of those moments, looking back at your career and how you got to start versus how people get started now. Obviously, there are some things that are significantly different, but do you ever have young actors, actresses come up to you when you are out and about somewhere or conversations or in interviews asking you for advice that you wish somebody would have given you or perhaps that you've given other people in your long, iconic career as, a, as an actor?
2: Yes, they, they do. And, of course, I'm so st- i'm I'm so clean, you know I'm so clean I've not wrecked my life no and so I would give that kind of a little lecture to them of take care of yourself, darling, watch what you're doing, watch for the kind of friends you're making, uh protect yourself, look out for yourself, yeah, because it's a pretty tough business, you know that
0: yeah competitive. yeah, competitive it's very competitive, and just looking at the statistics of How many people go to L.A. every month? And well, especially now with the pandemic, it's probably even more difficult. But when things were normal, so to speak, and people would try and make that trek, the the rejection rate from what I hear from other folks like yourself is just so high. And you have to really have a thick skin, right, to do this.
2: You really did. And I, I, I was very aggressive. I would... I would go and get get an agent, you know, and 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 he would take me to Paramount, and I would try out. Oh my, I I, I don't know, it's amazing. I think I was so naive and clean, so bloody clean cut that it was it was uh, I was a little bit different. I wasn't very I wasn't very flashy, you know.
0: No, like looking back at just your career highlights and and news stories, yeah, you never were in the press ever for anything negative. It no. was always for something positive, for well, something I'm, that you were doing. And I was always
2: married because I ran off and got married when I was twenty-one. You know,
0: yes, and uh,
2: in college at at San Diego State College, and uh, I just I. I don't know. I I like being clean. I, I I loved Ingrid Bergman. See, Ingrid Bergman was my idol. She was so clean-cut, you know, and that's I wanted to be like that. I didn't want I didn't want to be wild and and yeah. dangerous.
0: Well, that brings up an interesting point because today it's it's unfortunate when you see all of this madness happening with performers and the like, but that's a conscious choice in anything that you do right that you're going to be that way, and that's a conscious choice that you made, correct?
2: I did, and it was uh it was not too slow because once I left paramount, I only lasted at paramount like uh maybe maybe two years then i my agent, because I was always trained to be a good actress, now he takes me takes me over to c b s because they do the live, the live dramas at mm-hmm. CBS. I, 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 uh, I got a, a part. <laughs> I was the maid. I was the Irish maid on Life with Father with Leon Ames and Lorene Tuttle, and we did this live. Boy, When that, when you were on, it was You Were On.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: so I did that, and we did a lot of movies of the week, Over then at CBS, CBS was a really important place to be then for live theater.
0: Yes, that is fantastic. And I think doing live television and your experience in theater and that sort of thing sort of prepared you, I'm guessing, for being in front of a live audience and being able to be on your toes and that Uh sort of thing. Looking back at your your decades-long career... Would there have been anything, Marion, that you would have done differently on your trajectory as an actor, or would you have just kept everything the same and, and it worked out amazingly well for you, obviously?
2: I, I don't think that I would have changed it too much because I, I hired, when I hired a press agent, I, I, it occurred to me, oh, this is about selling. I am the product, and I've got to sell me. Okay, so by attacking my career that way I think I made it move forward but I was very careful with myself Mm -hmm. I did not do risky things and I was so bloody clean cut that I only got clean cut parts you know yeah yeah
0: nothing back in your career that you're like oh my gosh why did I do that (laughs) no 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 And I think it's great because we mentioned early on, and I think maybe before we were taping your son, Jim Meskimen, he is fantastic. We've had him on our show before as well, and such a phenomenal impressionist. And he gave all of credit due to you when we talked then a couple years ago about his life. You have grandkids as well. I think it's great because they can watch anything that you do, right? And you don't have to tell them do no. or don't watch this right. There's none of that that you have to worry about.
2: No, no, and I, I don't know. It's been a. In fact, I call my house here Happy Days Farm. Yes, because I have two acres. Pretty nice, huh? Yeah. And, uh, I've 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 done what I wanted to do and have a nice life because I didn't want I didn't want to pay such a heavy price for success, that you would regret it, right?
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And I feel, Marian, that is a great way to just kind of look at everything that you've done because success does cost in the sense of hard work and effort and maintaining your P's and Q's, so to speak, like you've done so well, but also making poor choices as as a performer or just in life oftentimes has long-term consequences, and you've avoided all of that and had an amazing life. You've got Happy Days Farm, which is great. Sometimes on social media, we can see you just out having fun and just enjoying things, and uh, what an iconic career you've had. It's just phenomenal, and and I thank you for your time. Uh, one last question I did want to ask. When you were doing all of this, did you have outside influences that were helping direct you besides your talent agent or your managers and that sort of thing, like friends or family that sort of helped guide you along the way, especially early on when you started.
2: I had, I had a woman named Barbara Best and she was a press agent and she was very smart and she took a tremendous interest in me. And, uh, so she was a, a tremendous influence on me, you know that mm-hmm. and so it but you see i would i would somehow find people like that who could help me it's it, i think it all comes from my irish canadian uh, mother <laughs> uh, teacher smart uh she she would say. She would say to me, "Why don't you make friends uh, with that little girl at school? Her mother is very important." And I would think, "I want to, I want to get no, no, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> you know? So she was, I was, she was training me to uh, be, uh, you know, to looking out for yourself, you know, planning ahead.
0: Yeah, which is a very good way to wrap up. Always be aware, be self-aware take care of yourself, make smart decisions. And yeah, fantastic. Well, Marion, thank you for joining me today for this interview. It's been an honor and I appreciate you taking the time to spend it
2: with me today. Well, thank you so much.
1: That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host.
0: Autobots, roll out. Go home.